0: Hello, welcome to Embrace the Grain Photography Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Sherry.
1: This podcast is for all photographers interested in film, digital, and the gear that goes with the craft of photography.
0: It doesn't matter what camera you're shooting, but be warned, we focus heavily on analog.
1: Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show.
0: Hello and welcome to episode seventy-four of Embrace the Grain. Tonight, after a few technical difficulties, we have a special guest with us, John Meadows. Welcome, John.
2: Hey, John. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Yeah, we're pleased Thanks. you could join in. We saved we saved the last of the classic camera revival, guys, for last. <laughs> <laughs> the <Yep>. best one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't disagree with that characterization, now can I? No, no. Of course not. So,
0: tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, John.
2: Okay, well, uh, I'm a recently retired IT guy, but uh, I don't think you want me to talk about IT tonight. Um, so I've, I've been involved with uh, photography. I started off as a teenager in the mid 1970s. My first camera I bought at a church garage sale. It was a a brownie Hawkeye that I got for uh, a buck and a half in 1975. And even by 1975, it was a pretty retro camera even then. And then I graduated to my father's uh, Voigtlander Vito B, which I still have. It's a great camera. And then let's see. Yashica Teal Electro, still have that. Uh, I sort of step away from photography a bit, sort of back and forth. Like I didn't do a whole lot in the 80s, but then early 90s, I got back into it uh, you know, with, uh, with children coming along. And uh, then I sort of went only digital for a while. So I did sort of go over to, uh, well, I'm not going to call it dark side, but I just, I was on the digital side for a while. And then um, I'd say the... Uh, The latter half, or maybe around 2009, 2010, I got back into film in a big way. Um, And so I've been shooting mainly film. And now I'm at a point where I shoot by choice or by economic necessity sometimes about half and half. So half digital and half film, but uh, film will always be number one in my heart. Cool,
0: okay. Cool. So I know, I know. On this podcast, we do talk about film photography a lot, but both Jake and I own digital cameras as well. And the show, it is digital friendly. In fact, our last Instagram uh, was a digital shot, and it was a beautiful shot, so it deserved it to be shared.
1: Yeah, so, absolutely. It doesn't have to have actual film grain there for us to share it
0: no no (laughs) i i know you have a great project shot on digital but we'll get to that in the second segment of the show film it's pretty cool and it's my preference but sometimes digital it is the better tool why do you feel that a photographer should use all the tools available to them and how do you decide when and where to use which one
2: well, I couldn't agree more that a photographer should use whatever tools they have available, be it a film camera, a digital camera, even a smartphone. Like there are people doing amazing work today with smartphones. Um and if people start arguing over what piece of gear they're using, like that's that's just that's a sideshow. It's a rat hole. I don't want to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will make so for me, uh, I, I'll make the choice based on a couple of factors. Like I said earlier, um, I'm semi-retired. You know, don't have a whole lot of money at this point. I'm trying to see if I can, you know, I'd rather stay un, stay unemployed right now and enjoy the time off, even if it means being a bit careful. So, mm-hmm. you know, digital, if you already have the gear, digital, it can be, uh, can be cheaper. But for me, when I make the choice, if I'm shooting color now, I tend to go digital just because I don't feel like paying thirty bucks for a roll of Ektachrome. Yeah. Um, if I'm shooting something that is in really, really a dark location, like yeah, you know, available light photography and pushing Trix to 6400 or whatever, yet that sort of has that much. Oh wow, look what I can do! But man, if I've got a digital camera that you can push up to ISO 6400 and the results are fine why should i be a masochist exactly you know yeah. um, i remember a few years ago uh we had a toronto film shooters uh, outing it was sort of the large format um uh, outing so i was out i at the time i had a speed graphic and an old lens using it as a view camera and i was bending over it was a hot day i had the cloth over my head you with a uh with you know the little um uh, magnifying glass in front of the ground glass so I could uh, focus and my back was killing me. And I said to myself, are you having fun, John? (laughs) No, you're not having fun. Question number two, is anyone paying you to do this? No. So I, so I, I just, that was the last time I shot four by five because it just wasn't any fun. So I want to, I want to do stuff. that's fun. If I'm not getting paid for it now on occasion if i'm getting paid for like i did a i did a, um, I did a uh, anniversary shoot recently and then a family portrait shoot i'll go with the digital just because i'm a coward and i want the insurance of being able to look, <laughs> look at the screen right then and there you know I, I i i can only imagine let's say being a wedding photographer in the pre-digital age you know you get home and you have an oops moment so i'd yeah. rather i'd rather see the stuff know at the time that i'm getting decent results yeah Um, the the immediacy of that is is definitely helpful in that situation but at the same time i have to say i have such tremendous respect for the wedding photographers of the past or like event photographers people who just had to get the shot and they knew their gear they knew the film they had their process down pat so they weren't going to worry and sometimes i think we sort of stepped away from that people just sort of have that i'll fix it in post attitude Mm -hmm. so i'd rather so with digital I, i i know right away that i won't have to fix it in post because i'll i will take a peek at the occasional i'll do some chimping to look at the picture just to make sure it's it's coming especially if i'm working with artificial light like like flash strobes that kind of stuff i'd rather know that in there
1: yeah then then after the fact after you spend all the time
2: and effort to develop and scan or whatever you have to do. Yeah. yeah I had one time when I was sh- shooting uh, a session and it was with a camera I don't have anymore it was a uh, Mamiya 645 Pro TL great mm-hmm. camera but the uh, one of the flaws was it was very easy to accidentally move the shutter speed. Uh, and, yeah yeah. And I moved it off the sync speed because it was a you know sh- a focal plane shutter, so oh. it wouldn't sync at all. So basically, the entire roll just got well, uh, aft. Am, yeah. am I allowed to say F'd on this show? You
0: are. You okay. are.
2: You can say so, it. <laughs> okay. So uh, so yeah, I just I I want that security blanket. I'm I'm too old to uh, to deal with stress anymore. Yeah, but that's reasonable. But when I will use film, it's like, there's just some cameras I have, like I love my Hasselblad and the 50 millimeter distagon wide angle lens. It just has its own look or I'll, I'll use, you know, I've got some Nikon gear and a roll flex and I, I, I have fun using that. Again, no one's paying me to, so I might as well enjoy it. I just Absolutely. like the, I like the experience of using those cameras like using a roloflex uh, twin lens reflex is nothing like using a modern day dslr
0: that's it's, for sure
2: it's yeah, its own experience true. and i also like the look i get from from various old lenses whether i use them on uh, on a digital or or on film like i have, my digital camera is a sony a7 II A Mm -hmm. full-frame 35 millimeter, and I've got uh, a box full of adapters, so I can use pretty well all my uh, 35 millimeter glass on it.
1: Yeah, it's pretty awesome to be able to do that. That that's the feature that kind of
2: swayed me towards the Sony side of things as well. And the fact it has built the image stabilization is built into the body, Mm -hmm. so I can use an ancient lens be shooting in a dark like available light situation and I can shoot at a quarter of a second and have a decent success rate. I remember back in the day, like anything under one thirtieth of a second was sort of hit or miss, but but mm-hmm. that's a feature I do like.
0: And I think that all depends on on the steadiness of your hands.
2: Yeah. And and For your sure. breathing.
0: That too. <laughs> that too but uh yeah so uh
1: is there a uh particular camera or uh lens that you've been gravitating towards
2: lately john well leaving aside what i'll talk about in the uh, in in the second half mm-hmm. um i got uh like i I've had back problems in the past. Uh, Thankfully they've gotten a bit better, but I didn't like carrying heavy cameras for a while. So I just started to to get into the Olympus OM series. Mm. So I've got an OM-1, a couple of OM-2s and an OM-4T. And I just love those cameras. I love the fact that they're, you know, they're so lightweight. Um, Of course, the, the Zoico glass is just amazing. It, it is really is. Really, yeah. really, really nice. And uh, great viewfinder, nice and bright. Like, I really, uh, there, there's some gear, like, I, I haven't been using my Nikons as much. They've sort of been languishing at the bottom of a drawer because I've been using the Olympuses so much. Olymp- What's the plural of Olympuses? Olympi? <laughs> I, I, sure, I sounds have no good. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> works then, for us. And then for medium format, depending on what kind of outing it is, I'll either use the, uh, I have a Roloflex um, 3.5 E3, which is sort of a rather obscure model. Um, And I have a a Hasselblad 500 CM. So it depends. Like the the Roloflex, it is a beautiful, lightweight camera. It's, It's one that I like to take out if we're doing like Toronto film shooters photo walks. Yeah, it's not going to break your back lugging it around
1: exactly. all day.
0: I, yeah. I used to have an Olympus OM, was it one or one N? I can't remember anymore. And it sat here in a drawer for a whole year. And this thing was in really nice shape. And I, th- I bought it because you guys are always talking on the CCR about these Olympus cameras. So I bought m- myself one. I never used it, and I sold it to Jake.
3: <laughs>
0: and Jake used it a couple times, and he sold it to Jess Hobbs. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yeah, it, uh, it was a 1N.
0: Yeah, I just, I just, there, was it a 1 or a 1N? I couldn't remember, but the thing was in really good shape, and I thought, so I don't what? need it, so I let it go. And I it was the only one I had, so... <laughs>
2: I know Jess loves it.
0: Yes, I'm glad it went to her because she, she's the right person. It found its proper home.
2: It did for sure,
1: yeah. It uh, it was definitely getting neglected a little bit in my household with all of the Nikons around.
0: Uh, you kind of used it more than I did. <laughs> I,
1: I, di- I did, I guess. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, uh, I, I dry yeah, fired
0: no. it before I sent it to you, and I thought, well, I it, I think it works, but I guess if <laughs> if it doesn't, you can send it back.
2: <laughs> it's it's really nice when you sell a camera, you sell it to someone you know is going to use it and appreciate it. I know. Absolutely, I know. yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, you would you would hate
1: to sell a camera to to somebody that's you know just gonna keep it on a shelf for a decoration or something like that. God no, forbid exactly exactly
0: exactly cameras the cameras are meant the guy, to be used
3: mm-hmm.
1: I
0: I got my original Roloflex from that's what he said he goes it was his dad's camera and his dad said he wouldn't let him sell it to anybody who would just put it on a shelf so I yeah. get about I should use it more than I do but at least four rolls of film through it per year which is better than letting it sit on the shelf, but I need to clear some stuff out so I use it more.
3: Mm.
1: I feel mm-hmm. you there. Yeah, it's wow. nice to uh, nice to clean the collection up a little bit every now and then, clear out the loose ends.
0: I'm trying. I got one out the door here the last week, and I've had a couple bites on the pink Pentax. Uh,
2: there <laughs> you go. I uh, find sometimes I've sold gear then, that I sort of regret selling it. And so a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, I was clearing up my collection to make room financially, so to speak, for the Hasselblad. And I sold Alex Louts my Nikon FA. And okay. I always just sort of regretted it. And he's now fitting the herd. So I bought the FA back from him. So it's come back <laughs> home. The, the prodigal son has returned. And I was shooting <laughs> it with it this morning.
0: Oh, that's and,
2: funny. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful camera in the hands, so I think I'll be using that one a fair amount.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I I'm sitting there thinking I got to get rid of some of these Spotmatics because I have seven of them and I only need. I I have to keep one because it was a gift, and mm-hmm. I want to keep one of the other ones because it says Honeywell on it. Uh, so uh, yeah.
2: Okay. Are you selling any that have a working meter? Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk. Oh. <laughs> none, of, none, of, none of my Spotmatics have, uh, like, I think I have three or four of them. Right. In various states of disrepair. I think most of them work at just the meter is,
0: out is of the dead, seven, which is, which
2: is pretty common.
0: Yeah. Out of the I seven so, of yeah. them, I have five working meters out of the seven. Wow. And I'll be keeping two. So there will be... There will be three for sale.
2: Well, maybe we'll have a
1: chat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think the Spotmatics are kind of like the Nikon F in the way that it's fairly rare to find out an example with a working meter.
0: Now, I can't guarantee exactly how um, accurate these meters are, (laughs) but the needles move when I put the battery in. (laughs) So. (laughs)
2: jake you're right that's a good comparison like the spotmatic and the nikon f because yeah most nikon f's with those photomic heads that the the, uh, the meter doesn't work but the rest of the camera is a truck
4: absolutely yeah
2: and i think that's the same thing for like the most spotmatics even if the the meter doesn't work everything else works just fine and those uh, and the the uh, Takamar lenses—they tend to have some of the smoothest focusing action in the industry. Right. I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, they are beautifully made lenses.
0: But I would—it would be a body only sale.
2: Oh, that's yeah. I've got—I've uh, got a decent amount of M42 glass kicking around.
0: So yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but uh, yeah. So I've got—I've got—I've just got to get. Through Christmas and there'll be more posted up. I've got got the pink one up because it's been serviced and it's I know it everything on it's really good except for the meter. It's not working on it.
2: So th- was this one you had reskinned, or you reskinned yourself?
0: I reskinned it myself. Yes.
2: <laughs> hot pink. Okay. Hot it pink.
0: It is. It's hot pink. Yes. <laughs>
2: Well, I don't think I'll be getting that one. But <laughs> I I am not a huge fan of the color pink.
0: Yeah. No? Well, no. Hey, you could you could get that one for your wife and and then get a black one for yourself and you'd have matching.
2: <laughs> oh, boy, you're 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 a dangerous talker, Sherry.
1: <laughs> Sherry's doing some hustling live on air.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh but my wife's not really into photography all that much like she she'll take pictures on her cell phone so that's a, right. that's about it it's like yeah. the, the cell phone has become the brownie camera of the 21st century
0: i love my cell phone yeah. it takes amazing pictures
2: oh me too i've got a uh Ugh. an iphone 11 pro max and i've
0: got the I, smaller version of yeah. that and i love it
2: i love the wide-angle lens yes it. it's it, it and and then i have like my my favorite app on the phone uh for editing is snapseed because,
0: you know what i don't edit them
2: oh i i like to i like half the time i transfer them into black and white hmm. and yeah. Snapseed uh, Snapseed has an amazing amazing black and white uh set of functions
0: I'm and just... the price
2: was right it's free
0: yeah, that's true.
2: Oh, even better. I
0: do have Snapseed, but I just don't use it. If I feel something needs straightened or cropped or mm-hmm. converted to black and white, I just pop it into the native
2: mm. thing. Yeah, I, I I have a I have a bit of a fetish for dark skies, like simulating a red filter. Mhm. <clears throat> and so Snapseed, you know, click click click, and I'm done.
0: The new the new update on it though, it has all of that stuff in there. In the native? mm
2: mm-hmm. oh, I, I should I should check that out at some point. You just sort of get oh. used to what you're using.
0: Yeah, it's more than just the four or five presets now. there's, You can adjust the contrast. You can mm-hmm. adjust mm-hmm. so much in there. Hang on. I'll just pop it open and tell you. Click, click, click. Okay. I'll pick... Pick something here randomly, of the, maybe of the cat <laughs> hit it. Okay, so up at the top, there is, um, of course, there's automatic, there's exposure, you can adjust that, brilliance, highlights, you can pull them up or down, you pu- pull your shadows up and down, contrast, brightness, black point. I like that one. hmm saturation, vibrance, temperature, tint, sharpness, definition, noise reduction, and vignette.
2: Oh, all kinds a vignette of options too, those I are all a
0: lot. It does do a lot in the native. that's all in the native one.
2: Well, I'll have to check it out, especially vignette because I'm a big fan of adding a little bit of vignette or a lot of vignette depending on the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah. Some pictures really benefit from that. You know, a lot of people make fun of vignette, but some pictures actually scream for it.
2: I I agree. Like, uh, like well, and again, I'll talk about vignette a bit later on. But
0: yeah, yeah. Um. So I did uh, mention earlier to John we're looking forward to him. Sending us a Christmas joke We're having a joke contest So Jake and I recorded a little bit about that earlier With a few details And we will play that and take a short break And we'll be right back Hey everybody, episode 75 is coming up And that's our next show And guess what, Christmas is coming too So we thought we would have a little bit of a celebration and have a little bit of a contest. So what we were planning on doing is having a Christmas joke contest. Now, we want it to be (laughs) family-friendly. And and we don't want any um, jokes about polaroids at the North Pole. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, unless they're tasteful, of course. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so send us your best joke. It has to be a call-in because we want to hear you tell us the joke, and it has to be in by December twelfth. Now uh, you can email that to us at our email at em- uh, embrace the green podcast at gmail com. But uh, You will be rewarded if you have the best joke. Tell us, Jake, what are they going to win?
1: Yeah, we are spreading the holiday cheer by uh, giving the winner three rolls of color film and three rolls of black and white film.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like your own little Christmas present for telling a joke and uh, making everybody laugh at either the funniness or... Who knows? Maybe we'll pick the lamest one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If if it's only one, it
1: might be the lamest.
0: Exactly. And right now we only have one. We have uh, Mr. Mike Gutterman from the Negative Positives. (laughs) He's our only entry. So if you want to compete against Mr. Gutterman, because right now, he's getting six rolls of film. So we got we got to get this in and get, get a few more entries.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> if you think you have a a joke that can beat Mike Gutterman, please, by all means, send us that joke.
0: Yes, bring on the competition. We want to <laughs> hear it.
1: <laughs> Everyone deserves a good laugh this holiday.
0: Yeah, and uh, hey, I, um, I will even accept Dad Santa jokes. Bring on a dad joke.
1: I'm all up for a dad joke.
0: Yeah, yeah, you betcha. So, uh, that's December 12th is the deadline. I know it's only a couple weeks, but guess what? Christmas is only a month away. So, we better get (laughs) cracking. And, um... I guess, anything else to say about it, Jake? I think that's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to hearing your jokes.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. Back to the show. Hey, guys. Who is Santa's favorite singer? Don't know. Hmm? You don't know? No, Jake? You it know? Was it? No? No. Elvis
3: Presley. Oh, ah. oh yes.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, guys, get get those uh, Christmas jokes in.
1: <laughs> I th- I think you guys can be Elvis Presley.
0: I think so. I think so. <laughs>
1: I certainly
2: hope so. Challenge accepted.
0: Yeah, I I. <laughs> I can't enter because I'm giving the prize away. So (laughs) Jake can't enter because he's giving prize away. So that leaves everybody else. (laughs) All right. We have had a few listener questions. We have two here. Um, They both kind of relate to your only cafe series, John. So I'm going to read the first two questions at once so the first question is from billy sanford (coughs) excuse me i've been enjoying the only cafe portrait series tell us a little bit more about it did it start spontaneously have you been thinking about it why that location etc and then leo nikishkin also wrote in i would also love to hear about the only cafe series the hows, whys, and all for example how did you arrive at shooting the series on digital but with a vintage lens versus film and vintage lens versus digital and modern lens
2: okay well uh it did start sort of spontaneously i was out a few weeks ago for a photo walk with uh guy named Jan Normandale, who's another film photographer. And uh, we'd stopped off for a coffee at uh, the Only Cafe. The Only Cafe is uh, quite an interesting place. It's like a cafe in the mornings. And then mid afternoon, it also becomes a bar, like a pub with a very, very fine beer selection. So I always call it one of my spiritual homes because it's dangerous for me any time of the day. (laughs) <laughs> and so I was there and uh, I'll get to the gear in a second. So I said, let's, I thought the light coming in from the window was very nice. I'll take a couple of pictures of, uh, of Jan. So I took a couple of pictures and I didn't think too much about it till I got home and I took the card out of the camera and imported the, the pictures into Lightroom and I said, wow, this actually looks sort of good. And then I turned, then I converted it into black and white and then I was just sort of gobsmacked. Says, so wow, I really like the look of this and the gear i was using it was uh, my sony a 7 II, which is like a, a full frame 35 millimeter digital camera and the lens is uh oh about must be it's almost as old as i am it's a uh, russian like former soviet union uh helios 44 not the common 44 2 but uh, the their model and of course it's a you know 58 millimeter lens f2 uh it's basically a copy of the Zeiss Biotar uh, optical mm. formula from the 1930s. And when I bought the lens, I like guess it, it's a bit of an oddball. It, it does not have, it's not an M42 mount. It's actually it has a 39 millimeter screw mount. And you might be thinking, oh, Leica. And nope. Um if you screw them into Leica, it won't work. Um what it was was the the early Zenit slrs had a 39 millimeter lens mount and those bodies are crap <laughs> like i had three of them they they just kept breaking and um so i said so i'm not going to throw any more money like they were cheap you know I, I felt like i was going to a pez dispenser to get a new body every time one broke <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was like uh, yeah, you know, si- single-use cameras before they were cool, um, and and so then I just sort of had the lens sitting around. I couldn't really do anything with it, and then I did a bit of digging, and I found out that uh, I got an adapter, a uh, thirty-nine millimeter to uh, Canon EF or EOS mount, and I got a couple of the really cheap uh, Canon uh, Rebel film bodies like at a, at a camera show mm-hmm. for like 20 bucks. This was back when you could still get film cameras for 20 bucks, um, so it mm-hmm. was a few years ago. And it was sort of cool, but I just never really used the lens all that much. But then when I got the digital camera, I said, why not, I might uh, try it. And then I, I used it a bit, probably still not as much as it would have, but then when I shot this portrait and I just saw how shooting wide open, that you got that lovely sort of swirly background. I just love the way the lens rendered. And I thought, okay, I have a project here. And so that's that's one aspect of it. Um, and also what I'm trying to do is uh, I'm, I am decide, okay, here are the constraints for the project. It's gonna be called the Only Cafe portrait project. So of course I have to shoot people at the Only Cafe. I'm gonna use this camera, this lens, and it'll all be black and white. And so th- that's sort of like the the framework or the constraints of the project. And also, like, you know, 10 years ago, I shot a lot of models, you know, I, you know, book people who model me and do that kind of thing. And I don't do that anymore. Because I think sometimes like I see a lot of a lot of uh, pictures online, are they are pictures of very attractive women. And sometimes I'll look at a photo and say, okay, yes, she's a very attractive woman, but There's nothing more to the picture and people just go nuts over those pictures because I guess they like to see very attractive women, especially in various states of undress. So I'm making a point of uh, not looking for like, I'm not making a point of looking for attractive models to be in this series. Um, I'm looking for friends and acquaintances, people I know, you know, and some of them are, you know, my age, aka old but uh, I want people to look human. And uh, I think this lens does a great job of making people look human. And then the light that uh, comes in at the only cafe has very large windows. And so if you're there in the morning to early afternoon at the latest, you'll get interesting light coming through the windows, especially on a cloudy overcast day. And like it's the kind of light you could work really hard to replicate in a studio. Here I get it for free. And uh, so I get you know a pretty dramatic lighting where, like say half the face will be in will be lit, the other face other half will be in shadow. And then I, I also do use a fair amount of uh, of vignetting in post just to really, really put the emphasis on the face. And these portraits are all pretty close up. um in some cases you can hardly see anything else but uh, but the face because to me like it's the the face is like a biography it's telling you know it's telling you something about this person at least i think you know if 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 i do my job as the person shooting the portrait then that that's the result uh, result i get and so yeah it's just uh, it's just taken off i'm having a lot of fun doing it uh, I'll put a plug in, uh, for any of your listeners who are in Toronto or will be in Toronto at some point over the next little while (laughs) and want to be in the series, uh, hit me up on the socials and I'm sure we can set something up at the very least. You'll have a very good cup of coffee and they have a a saltwater chocolate caramel brownie that is to die for.
3: Mm. Mm.
2: That That sounds sounds delicious.
3: delicious.
2: (laughs) Oh, they're, they're amazing. Uh, And my my plans for the series, I'd like to try and I've done about 14 people so far. I'd like to get it to about 40. And then I'm thinking of I'm thinking of doing a zine. And then what I'll do is I'll print a copy and I'll go I'll go to the only cafe and uh, say, here you go. Because it's it's totally under the radar. Like I'm like I'm sitting across the person sitting across at the table from the person. I'm not getting up there's certainly no flash involved it's Mm -hmm. basically we're seated having a conversation i just happen to have a camera so 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 far i've had no hassles from the staff they seem pretty cool but i thought it'd be neat to give them a copy when i'm done
0: yeah i'm sure they'd be very surprised and would quite enjoy it
2: now i think and one of the the questions asking about uh modern digital lenses um it would not like I do when I bought the camera the sony it came with a 28 to 70 kit lens which mm-hmm. is an okay lens but i just haven't like most modern lenses i find they're they don't have any flaws that make them interesting
0: they don't have as yeah. much character do they
2: yeah. a little little too perfect maybe exactly and i find i have to work really hard to reintroduce some character whereas like the, the lenses like the Helios or something like the older glass I'll use uh, as well to me that's that's that gives me more of the same feeling I'd get w- when I'm shooting film so uh, again that's why I just love a camera like the Sony A7 where I can just screw on all these uh all these lenses. In fact, another lens I've been trying recently, I, I borrowed it from another shooter here in town, uh Jamie Marcellus. We we have a hostage exchange. He has some of my lens baby <laughs> gear, and I borrowed his lamography uh Petsville lens. Oh fun. Oh, and oh my god, I love that lens. But they I they don't seem to be in production anymore. The only mount that the lomography has them on their site is in Nikon, I think the Z mount. And I don't shoot like uh, said. So no. probably no. just as well because it's a six hundred dollar lens. <laughs> and it's the kind yeah. of thing it, it can be very easy to overuse it. So I'll probably just so I'll use it a lot and I'll give it back to him. He says I can borrow it whenever I want. And if I, I I mentioned that I did an anniversary shoot a few weeks ago. I brought yeah. that lens along and shot some of the pictures with with the pets full and sort of like the keeper, the money shot that the uh, the couple liked, their favorite was a petsful shot.
0: Nice. Nice. So I have to ask you, do you have any plans of uh trying out the new Nikon Z stuff?
2: Uh not really. Like it, it'd be fun to play with, but it wouldn't fill any holes in my gear collection. No, nah. that exists no. like I've 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 got the Sony A7, hopefully it lasts a few years i can use all that glass on it so it would be neat to check it out but and i'm sure there's i haven't even read much about it uh, and i'm sure there's some neat features but at the end of the day it's probably stuff i wouldn't use
1: yeah i don't think there's really too much that you'd be missing out on sticking with the sony or anything really i'm not sure i guess
2: and I, th- I think that's why you know I, some of the camera companies are running into trouble is because they're running out of new features to add that aren't gimmicks.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I and mean, what, what else can you stick in a digital camera that they
2: don't already have? And especially if you're selling to pros. Like, pros tend to be conservative. Mm-hmm. They want gear that just works, and they're not going to upgrade um, unless they really, really want to or have to. Like, when the Nikon F, of course, was that iconic, photojournalist SLR when the F2 came out in the early 1970s there was pushback and (laughs) and the funny thing was you know about 10 years after that or so when the when the F3 came out there was huge pushback because the F3 was electronic and the same guys who didn't like the F2 were hanging onto their F2s for dear life (laughs) i said yeah uh, they
1: didn't want to get rid of that mechanical shutter
2: exactly I, I tend but, to feel the same way now for a lot of film. I, I like mechanical cameras. I
0: went I went. To, I looked at them, but then I also looked at the price tag and I thought I've got everything in F and that fits 90% of my Nikon film cameras and my digital camera. And I can convert those less, um, lenses to something else if and when my Nikon D800 croaks which mm-hmm. at the rate I'm shooting it won't be anytime soon <laughs>
2: Fingers crossed
3: uh,
2: Yeah
0: Yeah, usually every time I go to use it I got to charge the battery first for <laughs> some reason. I'm not sure why. Oh wait, it's cuz I haven't used it for a while.
2: Can <laughs> you can you use uh, regular Nikon lenses on the uh, on the Z mount?
0: I don't yeah. know
2: yeah there there's
1: a there's an f to to z adapter yeah yeah
0: but still you know i hate to invest in a whole different system where you have to muck around with different stuff i thought well just stick with what i got and
2: that's that's reasonable if you're happy with the results that's that's the metric are you happy with the results
0: Yes, because I've got the F6, and I've got the D800, and they take all the same lenses. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what, you know, why? I also have a, a Sony A-mount camera, because every Minolta Maxima I ever bought croaked. So mm-hmm. I got ticked off because I had a lot of really nice lenses and no camera.
2: Oh, that rocker glass is nice.
0: I know I've got two big beer cans and the little beer can and I've got a macro and a 50 and a whole box full of stuff and it's really nice stuff and I had no camera there like every every one of them just croak
2: sounds like my Russian Zeniths.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not meant to have one so I went and bought a Sony <laughs> <laughs> and they just snap right on there and it works great and they take beautiful pictures
2: yeah, they would. the the rocker, the Minolta glass was always really, really good,
0: yeah, yeah. and even even the autofocus isn't that bad yeah. on it. so but anyway, we should get back to our questions. We have one from Bob St. Cyr. Why is film photography significant, if so, to you?
2: okay, i I might repeat some of what I mentioned before, but for me, film photography, um, is about experience first of all. Like I love using, like the old Nikon gear. Uh, I love using the Raleflex. it's Just the experience is something I don't get with digital. And it's funny. At one point, I did have an F5. I ended up selling it because I did. I just didn't bond to it. It didn't feel filmy. It it felt like a digital camera that happened to use film. So, I like I like the the older gear uh and and also again i like the the character of uh of some of the older glass as we talked about the uh, the helios 44 mm-hmm. and they're like other other lenses that just have that really nice character they, that the individuality they have personality and a lot of uh, a lot of digital work uh or digital lenses i find tend not to have very much in the way of uh, of personality um there have been people arguing online. line does does film photography slow you down or force you to slow down yada yada I guess for some formats like if you're shooting four by five yeah uh you don't shoot a lot of NHL hockey in four by five you know it's, uh, <laughs> you're, you're forced <laughs> not these to, days uh, not these days No, to, uh, to slow down I but I, I think because I started off as a film photographer because back in the 70s that's all there was and i like to think that a lot of my film habits have made their way into my digital habits like i don't like going out and coming back with 2000 images on a card because the card will hold 2000 images
0: i know that's terrible
2: like, if if i were to start out a kid or someone on a uh, if who wanted to seriously learn photography on digital they should make a special learning sd card that holds 12 images <laughs> Here you yeah. are, kid. Go out, with a, go out with your air quotes, roll of 12, and learn that discipline of not wasting all your shots.
0: You know, I really, really miss those 12 exposure uh, rolls of film. I really do.
1: Yeah, that's that's the benefit of ball crawling, I guess. Yeah. It, mm-hmm.
0: Just for the simple reason to go out and test something, you've got yeah. 12 shots, you're done. If you're lucky, you can get a 24 roll now, and most of them are 36, and it's a pain in the butt.
2: Yeah, you end up with (laughs) uh, half finished rolls in the camera, and if it's a camera that doesn't have a light meter, you forget what's in the camera.
0: That's what painter's tape is for.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I should, I need to be a bit more disciplined that way. Because I'm, I'm, I do that all the time. You know, I'll have like a half finished roll in the camera for six months, and I go back and say, Okay, what is it likely to be?
0: I see. Yeah. I've got. I've got in the R3. I loaded it up, and I didn't write down exactly what I put in there. And I'm going. What's in there? It's been two months, and I'm only halfway through. And please be what I got on the ISO dial.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought I was shooting uh, Delta 3200, and it's uh, ectochrome slide film. Oops. Huh.
0: Well it yeah, won't be that It happens, it happens. But, yeah. uh, that
1: was that was like me this morning. I went out to, went out for a walk and I thought I had FP four loaded, but it turns out it was double X, so I guess I guess I'm doing a one stop push. Yeah. Yeah. Could be could be a lot worse though.
0: <laughs> yes. So um Jake, do you wanna take the last question?
1: Yeah, so our uh, our last question is a is a second question from uh, from Leo, and uh, he says, uh, "Name a camera or camera slash lens combo that you didn't enjoy using but love the results from."
2: Uh, okay. Um, I don't have. No, I have to think, of, think about this one. So, one that I did. Um, sometimes the Hasselblad's not always the most um ergonomic camera to use hmm. okay actually I've got it I've, I've actually I'm going to back up and use a different example sure. um I used to have a uh, I had a speed graphic four by five and I had a 19th century brass lens and I would use that to uh to do portraits I think I got three good portraits but like when I got it when I got them, it was really, really good. But the process was just utterly painful. It was, if you ever had to focus uh, on a ground glass under a uh, under a blanket on a four by five, of course it's upside down backwards, tends not to be very bright and you're using a loop just to try and pick out something. And this was a very, very soft lens to begin with. So, right. you know, I'd get a lot of out of focus shots. There were There were two or three shots that were absolutely magical. My hit rate just wasn't good enough. So, this is the camera that I just sold, saying, you know, uh, I've not—it's not working for me. Uh, it needs someone who's better at four by five, and I sold it to someone in the, in the Toronto community who does a lot of work on paper negative with old lenses. So, it was a case of gear going to someone who will make better use of it than I could. But man, when that lens worked wow yeah that was an old pet's fall you said yeah from about 1860 1870 oh wow yeah that's that's a real oldie mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah for sure back when they didn't coat things and such no,
2: oh, oh, oh. No, no coating whatsoever no
0: So, um, I guess that covers our listener questions for this episode. Um, Shall we check our voicemail, Jake?
1: (laughs) Let's do it.
0: All right. I'm going to push that button.
4: Hello. Your call cannot be taken at the moment, so please leave your message after the tone. Hi Sherry and Jake, it's Billy Safford. I hope everyone is well. Thought I would call in with a topic I was thinking about not long ago, um, along the lines of any tips I would give to a beginner or something that, you know, I felt like I had gotten more value out of than I had spent on it, that sort of thing. And, uh, was trying to come up with a list, but, uh, just in the course of that, thought of one thing in particular, and it's not a thing everyone can use, but um, the Massive Dev Chart app, which I know other people have talked about on other podcasts, I think, and uh, certainly everyone's familiar with it. Um, If you're, you know, sending your film off to the lab, obviously you wouldn't need it. Or if you're primarily or exclusively doing color it wouldn't do you any good but for anybody that uh, especially a beginner um, but really anybody um, the longer I use it the more value I get out of it I think this uh, massive dev chart app on the phone uh, you know to use as you're developing you know is so super useful not just you know, for listing all the times and temperatures and film and developer combinations, you know, but you can customize all of those if if you get a mix or a recipe, I guess, that you like uh yourself, you know, um you can go in there and edit the times and temperatures and uh, you know, it lists all of the steps in order. It gives you the countdown timers. Um and, you know, shows you when you should be agitating. And, you know, the first couple of roles I ever developed, I had watched, you know, several YouTube videos prior to that and written down like three pages of legal pad notes. And, you know, before I developed those first roles, uh, you know, watched the videos again, reviewed those notes, and was just paying, you know, super close attention to everything i had written down those those first few rolls and you know it went well as you would expect because you're uh so focused on it but until you've done it you you're sure you know the films are going to come out of the tank uh completely blank um But that worked out and I, you know, did not use the app, of course, those first few times. But certainly if I knew of anybody that was just uh, beginning or getting started, that would probably be the first thing I would point them to. So, you know, thought maybe uh, this could be a topic other people could piggyback on and call in with any thoughts they have on something, you know, either, you know, something they would recommend to a beginner or something that, you know, the value they've gotten out of it, uh, far exceeded, uh, the money they put into it. I mean, maybe people have, you know, a a favorite light meter or tripod or, uh, camera bag or just anything really. Um, but thought, you know, maybe that was an idea other people could take and run with. I hope everybody's well and, um, talk to you later. Bye
0: thank you billy for calling in it's always good to hear from you um so tips for beginners do you guys have anything that you could share with the listeners
2: there's something i'd recommend sorry go ahead john okay yeah there's one thing that i'd recommend and uh, it goes back to you know my experience starting out as a as a teenager in the 1970s, and that was keeping things simple. Like my first uh, SLR was a Shikatel Electro, um, still works. And for the first two years, maybe perhaps three, the only lens I had was a 50 millimeter. So I learned that lens really really well and so i i would suggest that if you're starting out instead of like getting half a dozen lenses if if you're serious pick one or two lenses and limit yourself to those lenses and just learn how they see as as Mm -hmm. and i'd also i also i'm a big fan of prime lenses like i have some zooms i hardly use them um I think there's something to be said for a prime lens, focus with your feet, and it really forces you to look at a scene. Um, And also, in the name of uh, simplicity, you know, they they say, oh, you can't get film anymore. Of course, you can. There's like dozens of, of films you can get, all kinds of black and white developers, and it can be fun to go down that rat hole. And, but I think that rat hole can be sort of a a diversion to take you away from what's important for photography, which is getting an image that you would like, you're proud of. Mm -hmm. And I think there's something to be said for picking one or two films, one or two developers, if you do your own processing and stick with those. Like what I've done now is, um, for 400, I shoot, uh, HP five and, uh, Medium format tends to be, uh, at least medium format slow speed or medium speed is Ilford FP4. Plus. And I use D76 one to one for almost everything. You know, rather conventional choices, but I'm trying to get away from playing with the developer of the week. So I think keep it simple, uh, learn a small subset of tools and chemicals, and I think it'll make you a better photographer in the long run. Okay. Yeah, well said.
0: That's kind of when we started the very first year of the frugal film project. That was kind of the thought behind it was to pick 12 rolls of one film and the same process and the same camera for one month every year. So it was to learn what you could do with it, how it could react, how the, the gear reacted and the only reason you could change your camera is if you had an accident or it died or it got smashed or what have you. Otherwise, you had to use that same one for 12 months.
2: Again, and, I think that's something that, that's starting to be said for, for that discipline.
0: You know, what it taught me was I took a film that I thought, man, this stuff is cheap. It's Kodak gold. It's just cheap stuff. And. It turned out at the end of the year, I absolutely adored Kodak Gold. I learned that you can push it, you can change the ISO in certain situations. You can, you could do a lot with it. It was very versatile. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't have done that project, I would never would have learned that.
3: Makes
1: sense. Yeah. I guess that's one way to learn a film.
0: Ah, Yeah. yeah so um do you have any tip jake
1: uh i had one in my head just a second ago um here it is uh i guess uh, for the beginner just uh i guess never stop learning i mean there's so many things within photography that i've never heard of that probably we've never heard of but just just explore what's out there, read a book, listen to somebody else talk about photography, never stop learning.
0: Right, right. Um, Billy talked about his love for the massive dev chart and uh, uh, mentioned that it wasn't good for C41, but um, Digital Truth has an app for that as well. It is called um, Lab Timer, and it has all the timers in it for the different C41 kits. I'm not sure if you can add some of the newer ones to it with the times, but I would imagine you could. I know I I use it all the time just for the sake of it's really handy to have that timer there.
1: Yeah, nice and simple. I've used that app as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that was one thing that I have both the Massive Dev and the uh, Lab Timer app. Um, the
1: uh, the Massive Dev is free, right? I think it's the, the Lab yeah. Timer that you have to pay for.
0: I actually bought the paid version of both of them.
2: You bought the paid version of both. Okay. Because I you figured, access, you know, yeah. You access the times for free on Massive Dev. That's what I do.
0: Yeah. I thought if this is something that I'm really going to get into and need to learn, I figured I could spend a couple bucks to buy it. Yeah,
1: why not? It's a a very useful tool for sure.
0: A book book would cost more money, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, you're probably right about that.
0: But uh, uh, also, uh, Billy asks, what is something that you've gotten more value from? Then what you have put in, well, my answer for that one is 100%. It is the film community. (laughs) (laughs) Every time that I have a question or I don't know the answer to something or I'm still learning, I I can always um, find a couple places or a couple people to find to ask, and they'll help me along.
2: It's uh, it, it's never been a better time to be a film shooter for that reason. All those resources online.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Like, yeah. back, you know, back in the day when I was young, <laughs> all, we, all we had were, you know, books, magazines, and word of mouth.
0: And you had to walk uphill both ways to school.
2: In <laughs> bare, barefoot, barefoot in a snowstorm. Yes. And, uh, what a horrible existence. There were 150 of us living in a shoebox in the middle of the road,
0: but I we were mes- happy. I remember my dad telling me he had to do that. And one day he said, said it in front of his mom, and she looked at him and she said to him, That's not true. You just walked out to the school bus. <laughs> 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 <But> you're busted. <laughs> But um I don't have a favorite bag. I don't have really a favorite light meter. I don't have a favorite tripod. I don't. No. I, my camera bag right now is a 299 special from Harbor Freight that I bought when I was in Arizona on the re- uh recommendation of uh I think it was Jess Lance. It opens up like a doctor bag. It's a tool bag. It doesn't look like a camera bag and there's a million pockets inside and it will hold hmm, about four or five slrs in there comfortably that's
1: pretty good sounds yeah. like quite the setup
0: yeah so you know it doesn't have to be an expensive thing so you just have very to look true it. yeah uh, yeah no
1: I've been I've been using the same uh, camera bag for several years now. It's uh, it's just a low pro backpack. I think i paid about a hundred bucks for it. Uh, oh, I think it was probably 2013, 2012, maybe when I got it. But uh, it's it's big enough to fit a couple cameras. It's what I really like about it is it has a, they call it a hatch pack, but uh, it's got a little pocket on uh, on the underside of it big enough for an F5 and a little bit of film. But uh, yeah, I guess never, I've never really seen a reason to upgrade it. It does the job.
0: Mm-hmm. How about you, John? Do you have a favorite bag or a light meter or, or tripod or anything?
2: For camera bags, I just, I have a bunch of no name garbage. That, <laughs> uh, like my, for me, my favorite camera bag is the one I can leave at home. <laughs> yeah, right. me too. I, I, I like to wear jackets that have, you know, like I, t- I try to go out with a minimal kit um, and I'll try and just carry things in pockets. Cause I just I hate having a bag hanging around my neck. I have a back I have backpacks that I'll use and they're much nicer for light meters. OK. Um, for cameras that don't have built in meters, I use a light meter app that I got for the iPhone. I find okay. it's, it's accurate. Uh, it can function as a spot meter. Um, I'm not sure if it's free anymore. It was donation where back when I got it. Like these, the guys from England say, you know, send me a send me a fiver for my beer. So I sent him a fiver because it works really really well. I, I've never been let down it yet. So it's not as as fancy as some uh, handheld light meters, but it does the job and it doesn't take up any more space in my bag. So purists might uh, turn up their nose at using a, an iPhone app for a light meter, but I don't care too much about purists anymore.
0: You know what? I think that is a really good option, especially for a beginner is to start, you know, with the the phone app.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's no reason for a beginner to go out and spend big money on a handheld light meter.
0: You know, the first the first actual film course I signed up for, they insisted we go and buy a light meter. And I thought, well, I don't even know if I really want to continue with this. So exactly. I just used one of the apps on the phone for a while. And then I did go and buy a light meter and I hardly ever use it.
2: Yeah, sorry yeah. he said, especially if you're a beginner, you know, to go back to the beginner question is, uh, you know, Get a mechanical camera that perhaps maybe the light meter doesn't work anymore. Everything else does. You get them for a bit cheaper, like a Nikon F or a uh, or Spotmatic, and get one of the uh, the apps, and that's not a bad way at all to learn photography. No, definitely no. not. No,
0: lots of fun to be had there. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a it's a great way to teach yourself the exposure triangle when. I guess you're relying on one tool. You
0: know, and especially, you know, a lot of those old uh, mechanical ones with no light meter, just Sunny 16 it. Yeah. You know, do a little bit of math and tape tape that to the back of your camera where the setting would be when it's cloudy, like F8. and And you have that always.
2: Then, of course, there's winter in Toronto yeah <laughs> sunny sixteen, so sort of was, how how about deadly overcast f two that's, <laughs> that's
1: the rule we use. yeah,
3: we
0: yeah,
1: we get it's... those skies out here too, those uh,
2: those wet concrete skies. You
0: mean oh, yeah, sunny yeah. Bill... sunny five. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Like> <laughs> Bill Smith and I have this running gag. We try and come up with with multiple uh, descriptions of overcast skies in Toronto in the winter. Like we have distressed pewter, uh, <laughs> water used to wash an ashtray. <laughs> because, yeah, if you like the sunshine, Toronto is not the, pla- not the place to be right now.
1: <laughs> no, all of that uh, lake effect snow too.
2: Yep. Yeah, although thankfully Toronto's on the north side of the lake, so we don't get it.
4: Like you know buffalo
2: it, okay. yeah buffalo they get hammered they'll get a yard of snow we'll get a few flakes yeah lucky you guys i guess
0: yeah uh, i don't know if you guys looked at my facebook story this morning and i looked at that and i thought i remember that day extremely well because in order to start the car i had to go shovel it out and it took me half an hour to shovel it enough to get the door open <laughs> <laughs> And then my husband went along with the tractor, and I was standing there guiding him so that he could plow this drift, like, within a couple inches of the car. (laughs) Wow. And we got it out, but it was like, oh, it was a lot of work. And I said, that day really sucked. I'll never forget that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound like too much fun.
0: No, it really Huge. just hammered down and then it blew right around the vehicles. Like even the truck didn't, we couldn't get any of them really out.
2: <laughs> now, do you have to use like a battery heater and a block heater? Oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. remember those in the Saskatchewan. I wasn't, I wasn't driving. I remember my father would have, you know, if you didn't have your block heater and your battery heater, when it was like, you know, minus 40, your car wasn't going to start. End of discussion. <sighs>
0: You don't really need the battery heater so much anymore, so I took that out and put that on the propane tank so that doesn't freeze. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, with the block heaters now, they make them so they're no good unless it's minus 18, they don't kick in. Well, you get a wind chill. If it's minus 17 and the wind chill's out there, your block heater isn't really working.
2: No. I also remember... How rough the ride would be. Those old, bi- back in the pre-radial <laughs> days, the old bias ply tires. It would freeze,
0: especially if you got a ten ply. <laughs> yeah,
2: and and so you basically be you'd be you'd be on ovals for a few blocks until the yeah. tires keep going, bouncing up and down, up and down. Uh, <laughs> we were happier back then.
0: Listen, <laughs> well, so I said to the kids when they were learning to drive, I says, well, the first thing you're going to learn to drive is a two wheel drive, rear wheel drive vehicle. Then I'm not going to worry about you.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but anyway, you say, so.
2: Be happy you have a synchromesh.
0: <laughs> uh, those ones didn't have that. <laughs> <laughs> I gave them a little clunker to practice on. But, uh, so anyway, yeah, I guess, guess that's that. Um, we had uh, one Ko-Fi donation this week. Thank you to Chris Nagel for your generous donation. Thanks, your Chris. Support, your support is very much appreciated. Make sure you check out Chris's work on Instagram at Soggy Rock Photo. And to support the show, you can find us at Ko-Fi backslash embrace the grain podcast. Thank um, Yeah, so I guess that probably is going to wrap up the show for tonight um let's get those socials out there
2: so where to find me
0: yeah where can we find you john
2: okay on instagram i am john g meadows on i i do have a uh i do have a a, a blog which i'm a few weeks behind on uh, JohnMeadowsPhotography.com. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook as John Meadows. I'm also one of the hosts and the uh, the main audio engineer for Classic Camera Revival podcast. That you can find that at uh, classiccamerarevival.com. And I might even have a Flickr account, but I forget my username. I think I'm just John Meadows.
0: So uh, please don't cry when you if you do happen to listen to the audio on this podcast.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: okay. my skills are not probably what yours are <laughs>
2: mine are perfect either uh, and
0: Jake. oh go ahead
2: let's say and the the deep dark secret of podcasting is you don't need to sound like the cbc as long as as long as your audio is good enough to support the topic and you have good content audiences will be very forgiving
0: i hope that's so. very true yeah, I hope so. Jake, where can they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Jake Rose Photo, and also in the Embrace the Grain podcast Facebook group.
0: All right, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sherry Christensen Photography, and I will spell it because it's super long: S H E R R Y C H R I S T E N S E N Photography. You can also find me on the Embrace the Grain Photography Podcast Facebook group And you can find us both With all the information about the show On our new Fancy Dancy website Embracethegrain.com And Don't forget The uh, joke contest Deadline December 12th Yeah get
1: those jokes in
0: (laughs) Hee 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i guess that about wraps it up so everybody stay positive
1: and embrace the grain
0: see you in a couple weeks bye
2: bye 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 thanks for having me
0: thanks for thanks, coming john. on john
5: i'm rather holy fresh from god's brain to your mouth <laughs> and now please rise for our opening hymn uh in the garden of eden by I, Ron Butterfly. In the Garden of
3: Eden, honey,
5: Remember when we used to make out to this
3: hymn?
5: (laughs) Wait a minute, this sounds like rock and or roll No one of you is responsible for this, so repeat after me. If I withhold the truth, may I go straight to hell where I will eat naught but burning hot coals and drink naught but burning hot cola.
0: Where fiery demons will punch me in the back!
1: Where my soul will be chopped into confetti and strewn upon a parade of murderers and single mothers.
0: Where my tongue
1: will be torn out by ravenous
5: birds!
4: Ah,
5: Bart did it! That part right there! Millhouse! Millhouse? You did the right thing. Bart, come with me for punishment. You too, Snitchy. (gasps) I want you to clean every one of these organ pipes that you have befouled with your popular music.